All right. Well, obviously, uh, communication can be a challenge, and uh, today we're talking about uh, communication. And, uh, man, what a great time of worship. Was that powerful? Wow, man. Give, give the Lord a hand and, and let our praise team know how much you appreciate their heart. They work hard to lead us to the throne of grace every week. So if you would, give them a hand. Just let them know you appreciate them as well. One of the songs they sang today, it lines up so perfectly with what uh, the truth is uh, that if we really want to have a happy marriage, if we really, really want to have a great relationship, then we have to build on something. And a solid foundation. There's a passage, if, if you will, if you've got your outline, it says, So now I am giving you a new commandment. This is from Christ. I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. And you should love each other. And so in one of the songs that we were singing, it says, I will build my life upon your love. I will build my life on your love. And so we, we were singing that as a church. We were singing that back to God. God, I will build my life upon your love. And if we really want to have relationships that honor God, if we really want to have a marriage that is like no other, then we've got to have that mentality, God, I want to build on that foundation. God, I want, I want love to be the foundation that I build my marriage on, that my life is built on, that my relationships with anybody is built on. And so whenever we, we develop that mentality, and here's the thing, we're, we're proclaiming it, we're singing it back to Him, and I hope and I pray that we as a church and that we as individuals really mean what we say when we sing that to God. God, I will build my life upon your love. And that we would make, we would, here's the thing, we would make the decision and we would take the steps today to begin to move in that direction relationally and especially in the area of communication. That we would be willing to change. We'd be willing to adju- make adjustments as needed. And so the thing is, is Jesus said, hey, I want you to love one another. That means to serve one another, to care for one another, to put someone else's hopes, dreams, and Maybe their aspirations above yours to die to self and to say, you know what, I want to see you flourish. And if we could live that way in our marriage to where we're constantly seeking to bless and to encourage and to build up our spouse, man, our marriages would be incredible. But we don't often live like that. And so there's a statement that we shared a couple of weeks ago. It says, Christian marriage becomes a submission competition. And it's a race to the back of the line. And so it becomes a submission competition. And I'll share with you, my wife now, Laurie, now we, we love to, uh, you know, do compete or whatever, and, and we, we hate losing. I mean, I hate losing, she hates losing. Our, our kids really didn't have a chance. And uh, so we really can't do board games and, you know, some of these fun, family fun nights a lot of times that people can do. We can't always do those in an end well, just being honest, be, uh, confession, whatever. And so, so Laurie's competitive, I'm competitive. But here's the thing, this says, listen to what it says again, Christian marriage becomes a submission competition. Now... The thing is, is what you're saying in this, hey, listen, if I win in this, I am submitting. And for a lot of us in the room, if we were really being honest, we'll say, you know what, I don't know if I want to win that one. I, I, I might be okay coming in second. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if I come in second, then that means maybe I get my needs met. Maybe what I want and what I desire is going to happen. And so what we do is we look at that one and say, you know what, I might, I might be okay with losing at that one. But that really shouldn't be the mentality. It should be, hey, how, how do I submit to the needs and, and minister to the, the needs of my spouse. And so we have to be willing to say, God, help me to die to self. Help me to crucify this flesh because this flesh is always about me. God, help me to crucify this flesh. Help me to live for you. And God, help me to do it based and built on the foundation of love. Because the incredible thing about Christianity is whenever I love God with all of my heart and I seek Him first, and here's the thing, and I love other people and I serve them, God says that He will meet the needs that I have. He will meet those needs that I, I keep going, hey, God, don't forget about me. God, don't forget about me. He says, hey, listen, put me first. Seek me first. Here, and listen, bless others, serve others, and I will meet those needs, Mike. And He's telling you the same thing. He says, hey, listen, if you will seek me first, and if you will bless others and you will serve others, I will take care of you like you've never imagined. And so Christian marriage becomes a submission competition. And it's a race to the back of the line. It's putting others first. And so if we really want to know what, keeps, what makes marriages unbelievable and what happy couples know, it's, you know what, hey, it's, it's serving one another, it's blessing one another, and it's doing it out of love, not out of competition, not even out of, sometimes out of, you know, just, hey, w- w- this is what you're supposed to do, but, hey, because I love you and I'm committed to you. And so let's, let's look at communication. Communication is a process by which information is exchanged between individuals through a common system of symbols, signs, and behavior. And so communication, it sounds simple, doesn't it? That sounds pretty simple. But communication is difficult. And I mean, at times, man, it's, it's almost like 
I don't know how to communicate with my spouse. I don't know how to communicate with my kids. They speak a different language now. I don't know what's going on. And so communication can become very difficult. And I would just say this, communication is one of the critical things to a relationship. You know, when we do uh, marriage counseling, you know, there's three things I always tell people. These are kind of three of the top things that we have to deal with. And usually when someone comes in for counseling or whatever, there's, there's problems in three major areas. One is going to be intimacy. That a lot of times is at the top because it's such a, you know, it's such a uh, touchy-feely thing, and it seems like that's it. A lot of times it's not the real issue. The deeper issue is somewhere else, but it's a symptom that is so evident. You know, it's kind of like having a splinter. You're going, man, my finger is hurting, but really there's a splinter, and there's the reason your f- finger is hurting. And so we kind of focus on the, the symptom rather than the issue. And so, so here's the thing is in relationships, a lot of times it's a breakdown in intimacy. And, and that, that includes, hey, we just don't feel connected. Man, I, we just don't love each other anymore. You know, we kind of moved away from each other. We kind of moved on. And I'm kind of over the whole marriage deal. And, and so what happens is there's issues with, hey, we don't feel like there's any intimacy there. And the intimacy can be sex, but it can, it's more than that. It's also, hey, into me see that we're understanding each other. We're communicating with one another. Now, next week, next week we're talking about intimacy. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys, it's going to be PG-13 next week. Uh, but anyway, it'll be, it'll be God-honoring, but we're talking about intimacy next week, according to God's plan, God's Word, and so we're going to be talking about that. So, hey, we do have a children's ministry. I don't know if you heard that earlier. Not get them in there. If you, if you don't want them to hear it, don't bring them in here. I'm just telling you, giving you a warning on the front end, but we're going to talk about what God's plan is and God's purpose is in that area of our lives. So the second thing would be finances. Finances come up. Finances cause incredible stress in relationships. Because oftentimes a woman wants to feel secure and feel like, hey, you know what, my husband has taken care of me, he's provided for me, or whatever. And whenever we, we, you know, we don't feel like there's any security, like, man, we don't know if we're going to have, you know, a house to live in or whatever. And we feel like the, the, the finances are in disarray. It can cause incredible stress in a relationship. And the guy feels all this huge burden, like, I've got to provide for my family. There's this tension. But here's the thing. It's the third one is communication. And communication affects both of the other two. If we're communicating about finances, a lot of times there's a lot less stress. If we're communicating and we're, hey, we're living according to a budget, we're honoring God with our finances, there can be, there can be help there. And, and so you have to communicate about those. Same thing with the intimacy. Communication leads to great intimacy. And so the thing is, is those three are tied together. So today we're talking about communication. And so let's kind of look at a passage here out of Proverbs. It says, wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. It says, the tongue can bring death or life. And those who love to talk will reap the consequences. The man who finds a wife finds a treasure, and he receives favor from the Lord. All right, so let's kind of back up and kind of dig through this a little bit. Wise words, it doesn't say many words. It doesn't say, you know, harsh words. It says wise words satisfy like a good meal. Whenever you had a good meal, and you, here's the thing, you feel like, hey, I've, I've said something, I've said it the right way. You know what, they get me. Dude, that's satisfying. Kind of like a good meal is what Scripture says. So wise words, and remember, we've talked about this over the last few weeks, being wise about how I spend my time, being wise uh, about how I spend my money, being wise is, is important. So well, we ought to be asking, hey, what is the wise question? So I would say this in the communication, God, what is the wise thing to say here? God, do I need to say anything? It doesn't say that there's a lot of words. It just says wise words. You know, there's times, yes, no. Is enough. You know what I'm saying? So wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. And so in other words, whenever you feel like, hey, you know what? We did connect. We did communicate. You feel good about that. There's satisfaction there. You know what? Hey, we're moving in the right direction. We're making, we're making some advancements here. And then it says uh, the tongue can bring death or life. And so our, our tongue is, is powerful. You know, and so the thing is, is it can either build people up or tear them down. So we're either speaking life over people, we're affirming them, we're encouraging them, we're speaking the truth and love, that's speaking life, or you can speak death. We can criticize, we can be critical, but we can be mean-spirited. We can be, and here's the thing, a lot of times what we'll do is we'll justify tearing someone down, say, hey, well, that's just how I am. If I'm not picking on you, I don't like you, right? You have heard that before. And so the thing, that's not what the Bible says, though. The Bible says be wise with your words. And so the thing is, is we have to be willing to say, God, help me to speak life over my spouse. Help me to speak life over my children. You tell your child long enough that he's dumb or he's clumsy or whatever, he'll be what? He'll be that. And so, you know, we've got to understand that our words either speak life, build up, or either they speak death and they tear down. They shred people. And so our words are powerful. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Here's the thing, good or bad. 
Those who like to talk, maybe if you like to talk and you use wise words, then you reap the consequences that are good. But if you, like, if you don't use wise words, you reap the consequences that are bad. Strained relationships. A disconnect. Kids that don't want to be around you. Kids that feel beat down. A spouse that feels beat down. And so what we've got to be willing to do is say, God, help me to, help me to speak life. God, let that, let, let that be my desire to speak life. There was a, a, a story years ago of a young boy who, he, uh, he was uh, challenged. He, was, uh, he, just, he, he had a very low IQ. And, uh, you know, and whenever he first started in school, you know, he, he, they, they had to struggle just to get him into public schools back then because there was a special needs there. And anyway, so he got into school and he continued to do better and better. And finally, by the time he graduated from high school, he was, he was valedictorian, went on to his college, ended up becoming a doctor. And, uh, and so they did some, uh, they, somebody uh, asked him one time, you know, how did you ever get here? And uh, he said, well, he said, I have a, and he told him what his IQ was. And, and they said, how, how would someone with that kind of IQ, that low of an IQ, be able to excel in school, become a valedictorian, go on to college, and become a doctor? How does that happen? He said, because my parents believed in me. They always spoke, you know, life over me. They always told me, listen, you can do this. We believe in you. You can do this. You know, we will, we will help you. But don't give up on yourself. And so here's the thing. This guy began to believe in himself and was able to overcome things, even with some of the challenges that he had. And so what if, what parents, what if we told our kids, I do believe in you? And here's the thing. What if we told them the truth whenever they needed to hear the truth? You know, maybe, hey, maybe there's something they're not good at, and you're able to say, hey, listen, that, maybe that's not your strength, and you're able to say that rather than go, oh, yeah, you're really good at it, like, you know, American Idol and stuff like that. But the thing is, is we've got to be willing to help people out and speak the truth in love, but speak life over them. So let's look at some common uh, communication barriers here. So these are some things that kind of stand in the way uh, of good communication. One is family of origin patterns. Family of origin patterns. You guys have heard me talk about it before. You know, I grew up in a house where we fussed and yelled and we were loud, you know, and you hollered at each other. And so if you got in a fight, you were screaming. Well, Laurie grew up in just the opposite. You know, her mom and dad, she never really saw them argue or fuss. They would go back to the bedroom. They would kind of work out whatever, uh, you know, in in a discussion so Laurie struggled to learn conflict resolution, and I, I, I struggled just to be able to speak in a civil tongue at you know, times. So when we get married in that first year, you've got two different patterns that are coming together, and something's got to give. And, and so we had to learn how to disagree. We had to learn how to argue. We had to learn how to do those things in a way that was healthy, not the pattern that I was taught, not the pattern that she was taught, but to say, hey, you know, God, what is your pattern? God, what does your word say? God, how should we... How, how should we disagree with each other and leave each other whole? God, how, how, do, we, how do we have an argument and still be okay with not agreeing on everything? We don't have to agree on everything. And so the thing is, is you know, we have to, we've had to learn about it. So some of you guys have come out of some, maybe some dysfunctional backgrounds. And a lot of times we'll say, well, you know, I'm, just, you know, I'm like my dad. Well, that can be a good thing or a bad thing. If your dad was one of those who, man, he yelled and screamed, you know, whatever, maybe he was abusive, that's not a good thing. You say, well, you know, I'm like my mom. You know, my mom would always kind of clam up. That's not a good thing either. And so whatever you might say, well, I'm like them. Here's the thing. You've got to be willing to say, you want, I want to be like Christ. Not necessarily like my mom, like my dad. Do they impact us? Yes. Some of the things that we want to be like our parents, we will be. Some of the things that we don't want to be like our parents, we will be. And so what we've got to be willing to do is say, God, I, I need you to help me change and become more and more like Christ. And so it's important for us to, to say, realize, you know, hey, we come from these backgrounds, and these backgrounds do bleed over into our marriages and so for laurie and i we had to work that out and it it took some sacrifice on both sides here's another thing schedules schedules are a a, company they're a a barrier to good communication how many guys say busy anybody in here busy raise your hand if you're busy busy yeah yeah man we stay busy and uh, you know and the thing is is we want to commit to things and we want to be the best parent and we want to be the the coolest parent a lot of times we want to be the the you know the engaged parent that's involved in the school and the community and everything else and we're so involved in everything else that we don't ever have time to sit down and talk with our sometimes even our kids that we're trying to be such a great parent to we don't have time to talk to our spouse about what hey, how to parent and so one of the things that happens is we're like ships passing in the night and it's like, hey, listen, are you picking up Susie? I'm picking up Johnny or whatever, you know. And, hey, you, listen, you do this and this. And then when you get home, you just crash in the bed. And you start it all over again tomorrow. And there's no communication, really, other than maybe a text. Hey, you get this one, you, I'll get this one. Hey, I'm picking up uh, KFC or whatever, you know. And, hey, that's what we'll do. And that's kind of how you live your lives. And the thing is, your schedule, man, it's a barrier to communication. communication. There was a time whenever families would sit around the table, a bigger one than this, 
they would sit around the table and somebody would actually cook food. That's kind of a cool thing, isn't it? You know, they would cook food and they would sit down and they would have communication. They would have a conversation. And they would talk about, hey, well, how was your day? And there was a time whenever that would happen nearly every night. But it's gotten to where it may be maybe once a week, you know, maybe twice a week, and sometimes more than that. And some of you guys, you know, don't start patting yourself on the back like, hey, man, we, we got that number beat. Don't do that. But the thing is, is we drifted away from that because of our schedules. And we stay so busy trying to stay involved in everything else but our family sometimes. And we miss out on communication with our children. We miss out on communication with our spouse. And so maybe, maybe something you could do is, hey, you know what? This week we're going to work on our schedule. Be wise about how you spend your time. Be wise about how you spend your time. And maybe you say, you know what? We're going to have dinner. We're going to have dinner. We're going to sit down. We're going to sit around. We're going to turn the TV off. We're going to put the phones away. You know, and if anybody calls, they can wait. You have voicemail. They can wait. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and you go ahead and you sit down and you have a conversation. Now, the first couple of times, it may be a little bit awkward if you hadn't done it in a while. You know, you're just kind of looking at each other like, okay, uh, whatever. You know, but you learn to communicate. So schedules can be part of that. Assumptions. And so here's another uh, thing that can get in the way is assumptions. We, we bring assumptions into marriage. One of the funny things in the video last week, whenever the couple stand at each other, they're going, we're going to talk all night long, you know. And, uh, and he's looking at me, we're going to talk all night long. And, you know, it's funny, whenever you're dating, you do talk all night long. You're on the phone, you're like, no, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. I mean, I, I don't want to hang up. And, and you're on there, and you're talking about nothing. A lot of times you're just sitting there and think. But whenever you're dating... Man, you're thinking, hey, this is how it's going to be when we get married. And then some of you guys know, when you get married, it ain't that way, right? I mean, it don't work that way. And, and so the thing is, is you have these assumptions. So you bring these assumptions in, and you have assumed that it's going to be this way. I got somebody to do my laundry. I got somebody to do my laundry. You know, whatever. And so all of a sudden, these assumptions collide. And then, hey, you know what? Communication breaks down. So there's a barriers. And so here's another one. Men and women, we're just different. That's a good thing. God created us that way. It was intended that way. So women tend to view communication as a means to increase understanding. And so women tend to view communication as a, a, a way of increasing understanding, understanding, you know, why you think like you do, why we're, you know, why we're in this situation or why, you know, he, he does what he does. You know, so women want to communicate to help, kind of help under, uh, understand each other a little bit better. Here's another thing they do. They they see that they, women tend to view it as a way to arrive at companionship. Say, hey, the more that we talk, the closer we're going to get, and the more that we're going to be buddies, and we're going to want to spend a lot of time together. And a lot of times that's the way they look at it. Hey, listen, we're getting closer. We're getting more close-knit by talking. A guy doesn't always look at it that way. We'll look at how he sees it in a second. And then a, the third thing, a way to connect at a deeper level. You know, for a lady, a lot of times she's thinking, you know what, hey, if we'll just talk more, we'll get, we'll get into the deeper issues. He'll open up. He'll share some of the things that maybe he's thinking or, or maybe, you know, what he's expecting. And then what the thing is, is we'll connect on that deeper level. Our relationship's going to be better because we have talked about it. And then the last one there, she says um, a woman sees it as a, a, a disclosure of self. So communication is a, is a way to disclose self, kind of, hey, this is what I'm thinking. This is how I'm feeling. You know, I just want you to understand where I'm coming from. And so let's look at the difference in how the ladies look at it and how the men look at it. Men tend to view communication as a means of problem solving. Right, guys? So, I mean, that's what we do. You know, we're thinking, all right, we need to talk. And, uh, and so there's going to be a conversation. Hey, listen. And she walks in, kind of like in the video in the beginning. Hey, we need to talk. He's thinking, oh, heck, what, what's going on? What have I done now? You know, I see guys nodding their heads. And so anyway, so whenever they say that, you want to hear, all right, let's hear what the problem is so that we can fix that problem. You know, that's the way a guy looks at it. Where, again, you know, she's just wanting to increase understanding. He's going, all right, well, let's fix it. And we've heard this before, but a lady will say, hey, listen, you know, hey, listen, I just, I need to talk to you. And, he, and so when she starts sharing her problem, I said, well, what you ought to do? She goes, I don't need you to fix it. I just need you to listen. And he's thinking, what is wrong with you? I mean, if that is the problem, why not fix the problem? It's kind of like the nail. You remember the nail? Like, why don't we fix that? And, and so the thing is, is that that is a communication barrier. And so the second one there. Men tend to view communication as a means to give advice, even with our children. You know, guys, you know, we, we sit down with the kids. It's not, hey, hey let's just talk, let's kind of hang out. It's, hey, son, let me give you a little bit of advice. Or, hey, this is what you ought to do. Or, hey, listen, uh, you know, listen, I'm, I'm just telling you, that's not going to happen, okay? And let me tell you this, it's not going to happen in this house. That, that's kind of where guys go with it. I'm giving you some advice. That, hey, I understand you might want to, we're not going to do that here. And so that becomes a breakdown in communication because you're giving rather than listening, and sometimes you just need to sit down with your kids and say, hey, listen, what's going on? And hear from them. Find out what's going on in their life. Ask them about their day. 
Not just, hey, these are the rules and these are the guidelines and I just want to communicate this to you. Maybe you ought to listen. And so dads, maybe that's something we ought to do. Spend some time not telling them and giving them advice, but actually just listening, hearing them. And so men tend to view uh, communication as a means of problem solving, giving advice. Here's the third one, a way of discussing plans. Hey, this is what we're going to do. You know, and, and you're laying out the plan. And maybe you're a scheduler. I'm not so much a scheduler. I like to be on schedule uh, for some things, but I'm more laid back. I'm, I'm like, hey, man, let's do something different. Well, Laurie is like, this is what we have planned. This is what we have scheduled. You know, and she wants to follow her schedule. And I'm like, dude, punch that. Let's do something different. Then that freaks her out. You know what I'm saying? So we have to work at me being willing to stay on schedule. And then she has to work at flexibility with, with us. Because, and Laurie will tell you, you know, Marrying me and then having three boys has been an adventure. She will tell you that. So for us, sometimes I want, let's do the adventure. Let's do something fun. Let's do something different. And, and so the thing is, is we have to be willing to say, hey, let's, let's work together on this. So for Laurie, she would be more the one doing the plan. Here's the last one. Men tend to view communication as non-disclosure of self. They just really want to solve the problem. They really want to kind of get this over with. They don't want to sit around here and talk. Or let's move to whatever the problem is and let's get over that. You know, and so, like I said, so for the guy... You know, if, if he's wanting to be intimate, you know, he's thinking, you know, the woman's saying, hey, let's talk and maybe we can be, you know, into me, see, let's be intimate with one another. And he's thinking, all right, enough talk, let's move on to the next step, you know, the fun part, you know, whatever. So that's kind of how guys and women are a little bit different. So let me give you this next one. And this is another barrier. And these are some dysfunctions that we often bring into a relationship. Now, this sounds really scary, almost sounds like revelation here, but it's Dr. John Gottman's The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. And when you read that, you go like, all right, what does that have to do with communication? Because it's a little bit weird sounding. But here's the thing is, and I will say this, these qualities that we're about to share bring death. Death to relationships. So they bring death. And here's, here's the thing is, if we don't deal with them, they even use th- this whole process here, this Dr. Uh, Gottman's uh, process or the four horsemen to predict divorce. To predict divorce. And so, th- so the thing is, is if we don't deal with these, if we don't look at these and, and begin to ask ourselves, you know, God, is that me? God, is that what I struggle with? Then here's the thing is we might miss it and that might become something that becomes a problem in the communication in our marriage and if you remember, we talked about expectations. One of the scary things is that people walk away. And even in the Christian church, 50% of marriages, they walk away. Because they can't seem to meet these expectations that someone's putting on them. And they're, and they're not willing to change a lot of times. So let's look at these. These are the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Number one is criticism. Criticism. You know, uh, you, you get into a, a disagreement or you're, you're communicating. And sometimes maybe just even in, in the... Average day-to-day conversation, criticism, you always or you never are common ways to criticize. So you go, you always or you never do this or do that. And so you, that's, that's how you start your sentence. You always do this. You never, you never ask me out. You never take me out to dinner. You never, uh, you know, do this. You never clean the bathroom. You never cook supper. And if we were to be honest, we go, you know what, that's really not true because never is a long time. Maybe you haven't in a while, or whatever, but here's the thing is we go quick to criticize what you haven't done. And so maybe that's you. Maybe you're the critical one. You criticize your spouse. Remember what the Bible says? It says to speak life. But when you're criticizing, you're speaking death. You're attacking their character. You're attacking who they are. You're crushing them in many ways. Now here's the crazy thing. Most of us... Most of us in this room, we, we probably guard our words a little bit. Some people don't have a check station, I get that. But most of us guard our words around other people. But we will shred our spouse and our kids and our family. We will verbally attack them and run them down, tear them to shreds, and think nothing of it. And, you know, and, and that's, just, that's just not what God's people ought to do. So criticism, you always or you never are common ways to criticize. Here's another one, defensiveness. The second one there, defensive, keeps, keeps partners from taking responsibility for problems. In other words, it, you, know, you know, we go on the defense. And we're, we're it, hey, it's, it's not, you know, it, you did this. or you, If you hadn't have done that, I wouldn't have done it. In other words, we're always on the defense. We don't take ownership. We don't take responsibility. You know, you've heard me say this before. I tell my boys, if you have blown it, you own it. You know, one of the things that we often do is it's always your fault because I'm doing this. It's your fault. If you hadn't have done this, I'd have done this. 
You know, and so we blame it on somebody else. And so we're, we're, we're always on the defense. And defensiveness is not a good uh, way of communicating. So if you're always on the defense, poor old me, you play the victim, you know, it's, uh, you know well, you know, I just can't believe that anybody has to go, what I, go through what I have to go through. And you have to sit there and play, be on the defensive. Rather than say, you know what, and I'll just say this, if we would just say, hey, that one's on me. For our spouse, a lot of times, they would go, really? That one's on me. I, that, I was wrong. That was my mistake. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have gone there. And so what, what if we were to take responsibility always, rather than always being on the defense, but to say, you know what, that one's on me. But to take ownership. So defensiveness is a very negative way to handle relationships and communication. Here's the third one, contempt. Contempt is mocking your partner, calling them names, rolling your eyes. It sounds like something a kid would do, doesn't it? But yet, that's what you do in your relationships. You know, they say something, you say, oh gosh, whatever. You know, and you roll your eyes. That's contempt. That's poor communication. You know, and, and, and here's the thing is you call them names. You're such a whiner. You're such a whatever. You know, and so you start ripping them and shredding them. That's contempt. You're, you're, again, you're attacking their character. You're tearing them to shreds. And yet you claim that you love them, that you'd be willing to lay down your life for them, that you would be willing to do whatever for them, but yet you shred them with your words. And then here's the fourth one, uh, stonewalling. You've got criticism, defensiveness, contempt, and then stonewalling. happens when the listener withdraws from the conversation. Maybe that's you. Whenever things get a little bit tense, a little bit heat, you shut down. You lock down. You won't even make eye contact. You just give them the silent treatment for the rest of the day, the rest of the week, however long, until they come back to you and say that they were wrong. That they were. Maybe you're the last one to ever say that you're sorry. Hey, that's on me. But you become the stonewaller. And here's the thing is, you know, I said this earlier, women love to have, you know, some stability. And I won't ever forget, I was in a conversation with a couple that, you know, the lady was like, you know, he abandoned me. And I was like, all right, what do you mean? And uh, so she started telling me, she said, we were in an argument, we were having a disagreement. And he got up and he left. And I was like, you talking about like he left the room? She goes like, no, he left the house. But in her mind, he abandoned me. He left me. He left me by myself. And so she is, she is rattled. And, and, I'm, and in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, I don't know if I would consider that abandonment, but in her mind it was. And so the more that we talked, we found out that her dad had abandoned her. And so a lot of things that we go, remember I said family of origin, so a lot of the patterns that we saw here, we bring into this relationship. So for her, whenever this guy walked out of the argument or walked out of the conversation and left the house, he abandoned me. He left me. And so we've got to understand, you know, the stonewalling. Man, we've got to stay engaged. We've got to stay in the moment. And we've got to, here's the thing, we may have to self-soothe and kind of calm down and just say, you know what, I've got to listen. I've got to listen. And we've got to work through this. Because if I get up and walk away, that's not going to fix anything. I know sometimes some people say, well, I need to go cool off. And you know, probably it wouldn't be good for me to say anything right now. You know, it might be better for you to listen. It might be better for you to listen to see what they're saying. Maybe even say, hey, listen, let's, let's get a piece of paper and let's write each other a letter. And so you give them a pen and a piece of paper. You get a pen and a piece of paper and you write a letter to each other. And you share what you're thinking rather than arguing and attacking and verbally whipping each other to death. But you just write each other a letter. And you read it. You know, and usually whenever you read a letter, you read all the way through it. And then you think about how you're going to respond. And then maybe here's the thing. Once you get a letter from somebody, you respond with a letter rather than verbally attacking each other. And so th those are things that get in the way. But criticism, defensiveness, contentment, and stonewalling, if you're guilty of those things, and, I, and I'll go ahead and tell you, I've been praying all morning that the Holy Spirit would bring conviction in the marriages and the relationships and the hearts of the people that are sitting in this room today that we would go, you know, if, if we know that's us, we don't go, well, that's just the way I am. But we go, you know what? That's offending God. And it's not showing love to my spouse. And God, I'm willing to change. Now, I know a lot of you guys wanting to elbow like, you know, you hear that? It's talking about you. That's what you do. I've seen some of y'all elbowing and smiling already. But here's the thing. What we have a tendency to do is we focus on what's wrong with them whenever here's the thing. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? You've got to be willing to say, God, what's wrong with me? God, what am I doing that doesn't line up with your word? God, am I guilty of these things? God, I want you to bring conviction to me, not to my spouse. God, I want you to bring conviction in my life, in my heart. Look at what the passage says down here. It says, listen, listening and doing. It says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, 
and slow to get angry. Now, this verse 20, you might want to underline. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So get rid of all filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. I mean, I love that. The power to save your soul. Here's, let, me, let me just say this. If it can save your soul, it can save your marriage. It can save your family. The power of God at work within you can save your soul. It can save your marriage. It can save your relationships. It can save so many things. We've got to be willing to embrace that. We've got to be willing to say, God, I want you working in me. God, I want you changing me. God, I want you to help me to be a better listener. God, I want you to help me to be a better communicator in my family. Look what it says in verse 22. It says, but don't just listen to God's Word. You must do what it says. In other words, apply the truth. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves for you. You listen to the Word and you don't obey. It's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what, what you heard, then, then God will bless you for doing it. I love this one. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself. And your religion is worthless. You claim to be a Christian, a follower of Christ. Now, he's saying religion there. So a follower, a follower of Christ or a relationship with Christ is a relationship. It's not religion. But here's what he's saying. I mean, if you're going to claim to be a follower, a religious person, and you can't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself. Because your tongue is so powerful, man. You have got to get it under control where you're speaking life over people, not death. You're building people up, not tearing them down. But you're, you're encouraging them and affirming them and, and building an atmosphere around them that is life-giving. We talked about criticism over here. One of the ways that we counter criticism is to, we've got to learn how to complain without blame. In other words, there may be something we need to talk about and say, honey, we need to talk about this. And we sit down and we, we attack the issue, not each other. And we complain without blaming the other person. Like, hey, when you do this, or you, this is your fault, but we, can, we attack the issue. Maybe that's your finances. Don't blame the other, the, the other person. Just say, hey, listen, this is the problem. We've got to attack this. The same thing with defensiveness. You've got to take responsibility. Hey, that's on me. I want to practice something with you guys. If you would, I want everybody to do this. I want you to, I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. And I want you to say, it's my fault. All right, so one, two, three. It's my fault. That's not that hard, is it? That's not that hard. Unless you're in the heat of an argument and you don't want to win, you don't want to lose the argument. You're not worried about winning your, your spouse's heart, but you don't want to win, uh, lose the argument, so you're, you don't want to say that. And so it's not that hard to say, hey, it's my fault. That one's on me. And so taking responsibility. And then the third thing there is you've got to build a culture of appreciation to counter that contempt spirit. And so if you're contempt, you're tearing people down, you've got to say, you know what, God, help me to focus on the positives in my spouse. Not everything they do wrong, but like Philippians says, God, help me to focus on that which is praiseworthy. God, that which is honoring to you. God, help me to focus on the things that are positive in our marriage. Help me to focus on the positive things in my spouse. And I, it's kind of like the old song, the old hymn, Count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will amaze you what God has done. And so I think if we were to do the same thing, if we were to count the blessings that our spouse is in our life, it would amaze us what God has done. And so create a, an atmosphere of, of appreciation in your home with your kids. Show appreciation, not always pointing out what they do wrong, but what they do right. And then also building, uh, you know, whenever it comes to the stonewalling, stay engaged. You know, and, and maybe kind of calm down. Ask God to give you the words to, to continue the conversation. All right, so here's some keys to effective communication. And everybody has to work at this. You have to develop better listening skills. Develop better listening skills. Anybody who wants to be involved in communication needs to work at being a better listener. Because here's the thing. We send a message, we send a signal, and it has to be received, right? Now, the tough thing is, is here I am. I'm, I'm what you would call a communicator. I am speaking to you guys. I'm teaching you guys. And the tough thing is, is that 20 to 50% of what you guys will hear me say today, you'll forget. And, oh, I shouldn't even say it. You won't even hear. 20 to 50% of what I say, you won't even hear. So 20 to 50% of what you tell your kids, they don't hear. That kind of hurts feelings, won't it? And so what happens, that's the reason I try to get you all to write stuff down so maybe you'll remember it. Um, you know, that's the reason we put notes in there and stuff. But the thing is, is we, a lot of what we hear you know, we are, are, are spoken to us. We don't even hear. So we're sending a message, but a lot of times it's not received, or only half of it is. And so we have to work at being an active listener. Have to be a work at being an active listener. And, and so this is something that takes intentional focus and work. So, like, 
you know, as a staff here, we're always working on communication. Always. It, it seems like every week there's been a breakdown of communication. Somebody forgot to communicate this or whatever. And so we have to work at listening and hearing what we were told and then implementing what, what our uh, responsibility or assignment might be. And so we have to work that. So in my home, you know, this is something I have to work at is, is communication with, with Laurie. And there's been times through the years, you know, I might be watching a football game and, and Laurie would walk in and say something to, be, to me and I'd look over at her and I'd be like, yeah. And I'm looking back at the game, you know, and then she would say, do you get that? And I'm like, yeah. You know, and I'm looking back at the game. And, uh, and finally she would grab my face and she goes, hey, I need, your, I need your eyes right here. And I'm like, okay, yeah, what? And I'd still cut my eyes back over just kind of in spite, you know. But that was back before we had DVR, you know, you couldn't record the game. So, uh, so anyway, she uh, wanted my attention. She wanted me to pay attention to her. And a lot of times, you know, you go to a restaurant, you know, and I know how guys are. We, we sit where we can see the TV. You know, and so we're, I mean, I, I can see the game over here, and your wife wants you to make, you know, you know, contact with her. She wants you to be engaged. So we have to develop better listening skills. And we're going to cover a few of those right now. So one is be careful with your tone. Be careful how you say something, the tone of how you say something. And, uh, you know, and so, like, I'll give you an example. The other night, Laurie and I, I was at the uh, kitchen table, and I was working on something, and Laurie was, she was cooking, and I said, what are you cooking? And she goes, dinner? I was like, what's that attitude for? She goes, why don't you ask she goes, why don't you ask what I was cooking? I was like, because I wanted to know. And, uh, and she goes, well, I know how that, how that normally sounds. And I was like, what does that mean? She goes, normally you say, well, that stinks. And I was like, I do not say that. She goes, well, I'm cooking broccoli, you say that. And I'm like, broccoli stinks, you know. And uh, so anyway, it's one of those things where you have to be careful. With so all I asked was, hey, what are you cooking, dinner? And so her tone was, and I'm like, what's all that about? Y'all know how that is, right? Guys, you might understand this when you ask, you know, you, you walk in, your wife's got something on, you say, hey, are you going to be wearing that? I mean, it just looks like, man, I'm going to cut your throat. What'd you say? You know, so I'm like, I'm just, if you're wearing that, then I'll know what I need to wear. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm just saying how you say it is critical. Now, I will say this, how it's received is critical. So you've got to work on both sides of that. So you're sending and receiving messages, and you've got to be able to handle that. But be careful with your tone. Uh, you know, you've got to be careful with your tone. Too often what we do is we say something harsh, and we really didn't mean it that way. It just came out that way. But so I think we have to be careful with our tone. Here's another one. Body language speaks loudest. Body language speaks loudest. If you're not making eye contact, if you're, if you're, if you're standing there like this and someone's talking to you, you're conveying to them, you know what, I'm kind of closed off to you. I've got my arms crossed. I really don't want to hear this. I'm kind of posturing, if you will. You know, and so what we have a tendency to do is our body language sends a lot more than our words do. And so they may, not, they may only hear 50% of what you're saying, but a lot of times visually they're taking in everything you're saying with your body. If you're constantly looking off while they're talking to you, they, they know you're not engaged in the conversation. If you're watching the TV, you know, if you're checking your phone, you know, whatever, they know you're not engaged in the conversation. And, and so body language, uh, it, it speaks loudest. I won't ever forget one time years ago, I was standing in the, I was standing in the, in the living room and I was watching TV and uh, my oldest son, who was little at the time, he comes walking through. He goes, what are you mad at, Dad? And I said, I'm not mad. He goes, your face looks like it is. And what it was is I was watching the TV and I was, I was, you know, I was concentrating or either frowning. And he goes, your face is saying you're mad. And I was like, well, I'm not mad. And, and so my kid, little, recognized body language. Something's not right. And so we have to be careful with our body language. So when you're talking to someone, let me just tell you this too. If you will smile when you're talking, people tend to smile back. Have y'all ever figured that out? That's one of the things they teach you if you're ever doing sales. If you're talking on the phone, they tell you, hey, smile while you're talking to somebody on the phone because they can pick it up through that phone. I'm like, ma, come on, man. But that's what they teach. And so if you're talking to someone and you smile, not sarcastically, but if you smile, a lot of times you get that response back. And so body language speaks louder. Here's another eye contact is critical. Like I said, Laurie, she wanted my eye contact. She wanted me to look her in the eye. And here's the thing about being an active listener. You have to work at it. And there's times, and listen, I, I'm, I'm probably ADD. There's times when somebody's talking to me, I want to drift off, and I have, to, I have to look them in the eye, and I'll go, uh-huh, yep, yeah, I got you. And I may not even be agreeing with what they're saying, but I'm getting what they're saying. Does that make sense? So I have to make myself do that to stay engaged. And, and so the same thing, you know, with, with someone, especially whenever they get long-winded, and, you know, it's a long conversation, you're sitting there going like, yeah, mm, got you, all right. You know, so, but the thing is, is, Staying engaged, being intentional, giving them eye contact. I will be more engaged if I keep eye contact. All right, so use your words to build, your, build up your spouse. In other words, when you're communicating, you know, as, as, a, as a listener, you want to listen. And here's the thing is, hey, 
say something you appreciate about them. Hey, I appreciate you bringing this to me. Hey, I appreciate you bringing that up. And yes, that's on me. So here's the thing. You're you're building up. You're speaking life over your spouse as you're what? Listening. You're affirming. I heard what you said, and that's important. And let me just say this. I've I've had couples do this before that were struggling with communicating. I have them sit down, face each other, knee to knee, hold each other's hands, look each other in the eye, and say, and, and they go through a couple of questions, and I would say, hey, listen, I want you to tell your spouse, hey, this is what I'm mad about. And they would look each other in the eye, and, and maybe the, the, always let the ladies go first and say, go ahead and tell him what you're mad about. And so she would begin to tell him what she was mad about. And he would want to respond. And so if you're trying to respond, you're not listening, right? And I would say, I need you to listen to her. And then whenever she gets done, I want you to tell her, hey, what I hear you saying is that you're mad about this, this, and this. And if he didn't get it right, then I'd say, tell him again. You know, and, so, and I would do the same thing with him. I'd say, hey, listen, I want you to tell her what you're mad about. And so they would hold each other's hands, knee to knee, face each other, look each other in the eye, and say, hey, this is what I'm mad about. And she would, and she would begin to want to go into defense, and I'd say, no, I want you to tell him hey, what I hear you saying, and I want you to repeat what he said. So what are they working at? They're working at listening first, Instead of trying to think about how I'm going to respond to what you just said before you ever... Because a lot of times we're waiting. If they'll just shut up for a second, I'm fixing to jump in and tell them. You know, or if they will just... Get, if they'll take breath, I'm in. You know, and, and so we've got to be willing to listen. And so I'm just challenging every one of us in this room. Work at being a better listener. To your kids. Listen to your kids. Listen to what they're saying. Listen to your spouse. Listen to what they're saying. And, and maybe say, hey, listen, what I hear you saying is this. So you're building them up. And then prayerfully consider your words. Prayerfully consider your words. There may be some things that, man, in the flesh, the emotions kick in, and you're wanting to say something that you know is like a jab, it's almost like a sucker punch. Man, prayerfully consider, hey, would God want you to say that or not? Sometimes God's going to tell you just to shut up and listen. You know, just be, be, be still and listen. And so prayerfully consider your words. And here's the main thing. Work on you. While you're sitting there, don't start thinking about everything that needs to change in them. Just start asking, say, God, what needs to change in me? God, God, what needs to change in me? And so whenever you're in these conversations and you're trying to listen, listen for what needs to change in you. Not in them, but in you. It says, therefore, I, prisoner, for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make an allowance for each other's faults because of your love. There's love again. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. All right, now Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus there. And he's saying that to the, to the believers, to the body of Christ. But here's the thing. Jesus paralleled it so many times, the marriage to the body of Christ. The body of Christ is the bride. He's the groom. And so here, Paul is saying, hey, listen, Work at being humble and gentle with one another. Be united. And moms and dads, let me just tell you this. The greatest gift that you could ever give your children. It's not a new car. It's not a college education. It's none of that stuff that the world might tell you, hey, that's the most important thing you give them. But if mom and dad, if you would give them a united front where you are on the same page and they know without a shadow of a doubt that you love each other to the point that you would be willing to give your life for each other. If your child could see, you know what, my mom and my dad, they love each other and they love God. It's one of the greatest gifts you could ever give them. Because you know what you give them? You give them stability. You give them confidence. You give them peace. You give them something that, man, the world can't give them. But mom and dad, whenever you are so in love with each other that you're seeking to serve one another, you're seeking to serve God, here's the thing. You're giving your kids the greatest thing they could ever want. And, they, and here's the thing. You have to be united, a united front. There's so often, my, my boys, and I know your kids probably have done the same thing, they would say, hey, daddy, I, I talked to mom. And mom said, and I said, no, nope, let me talk to your mom. And so Laurie and I would always talk, and we would come back out, and we'd say, hey, listen, this is what me and your mom have decided. And so kids, and I did the same thing. I, would always, I always went to my mom, because I knew I could get away with it with my mom. I'd say, hey, hey uh, mom said I could do this. You know, and, we, and kids, we love them, I know, but they, they're going to leverage what they can to their advantage. And so they're going to try to get, get a wedge in between you and your spouse. You go, not my kid. Oh, yes, your kid. And so here's what they will do, is they will leverage it to their advantage. And so what you've got to do, mom and dad, you've got to have a united front. It's exactly what Paul is talking about. Be united. Do everything you can to keep, keep that peace to where you guys are together. And here's the thing. It's the healthiest, best thing you could ever give to your child. Let me read it again. It says, it says, live a life worthy of your calling, for you've been called by God. As believers, we've been called by God, to be, by God to be different. Always be humble and gentle. 
What a great quality and characteristic for us to, to model for our children. Be patient with each other. Making allowances for each other's faults because of your love, because of your commitment, because of your desire to just serve one another and to live like Christ is. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. What an awesome picture. And then look at the next passage. It says, A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. Proverbs 15.1 I know there's plenty of you in this room that you probably say, you know, I have a short temper, Mike. Well, then here's the thing. Let God change that. Well, you know, I grew up this way. Let God change that. Well, this is just how I am. Well, let God change that. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. We just celebrated baptism. And we had people that were literally saying, hey, you know what? I have gone from death unto life. I've been filled with the Spirit of God. I've been, the Spirit of God has been placed within me. I am no longer who I used to be. I have been changed and transformed by the power of God who is at work in me. And I want everybody in this room to know that, man, I want to follow Christ. I want to live for Christ. And I want Him to change me. That's what that is. That's what baptism is. Buried with Christ in baptism. Raised to walk in the newness of life. I'm different. I'm changed. On the back of their shirts it says, forever changed. And that ought to be the desire of every Christian. God changed me. I don't want to be the same. And I know a lot of us, I want to be like my dad. I want to be like my mom. Not if they weren't like Jesus. If they were like Jesus, heck yeah, go for it. But if they were not, man, God, I want to be like Christ. I want to love my wife like nobody else. God, I want to love my husband like nobody else. I want to love them the way that Christ did. Look at these next steps. Maybe for you, this is you today. I commit to love my spouse just as Christ has loved me. I want to love my spouse the way that Christ has loved me. And let me, just, let me go ahead and tell you this. Maybe that's the step you need to take, but I'm going to challenge you with this. You can't love your spouse that way if you don't have Jesus living within you. you. You can't love anybody the way that God wants you to love them unless you have the love of God within you. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ, if you've never said, Jesus, I believe that you are the way, the truth, and life, and Jesus, I believe that you can save me. That's what that Scripture ever said. It can save your soul. Then, Jesus, I want you to come and live within me. Jesus, I want you to redeem me. Jesus, I want you to set me free. Jesus, I want you to transform me. I want to be like you. Then here's the thing. You'll never be able to love your spouse, your wife, your husband. You'll never love your kids the way that God wants you to love unless you have Christ living in you. It is the Spirit of God. It is the power of God. It is the Word of God coming to life in you that allows you to love like that. Man, that's not natural. That's supernatural. And so maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ. That is the first step. It's it's saying, Jesus, I want you to come in and change me. I want to put my faith in you because I believe that you are exactly who you say you are. And I believe that you can change me. I believe you can save my marriage. I believe you can save my family. So I want to to encourage you today. If you're here and you've never put your faith in Christ, that needs to be the first step. Just say, Jesus, I I confess you that I'm a sinner. I've, I've messed up. I've lied. I've cheated. I've done all these things that go against your teaching. So I am a sinner. I admit that. And that's what confession is. I confess to you I am a sinner. And so, Jesus, I want to ask you, will you please forgive me? And His Word says yes. It says that He will literally, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will, will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Anything that you've done, He will cleanse you. And then we say, Jesus, I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want to live for you. That's repentance. And what you're saying is, you know what? The way I've been doing it, the pattern that the world has, is not working. I want something more. I want what is supernatural. Jesus, I want you. And so, Jesus, I want to quit living the way I've been living, and I want to follow you. That is repentance. And if there's no repentance, there's no change. And here's the thing. We've got to be willing to say, God, I want you to change me. Today, tomorrow, every day this week. God, help me to be a better listener. God, help me to be committed to that. Help me to be disciplined to work at being a better listener. Look at the next one here. It says, I commit with God's power to change how I communicate with my spouse and to let the, the change start with me. Let me just say, you can't do it without God's power. You can't do it without God's power. It's not, this is not just a, hey, this is a self-help type message. That's not what it is. This is one of those things where we realize, man, we are broken. Man, I, even our communication is jacked up. It's messed up. I come from a family that was j- jacked up, messed up. God, I need you to change me. I need you to save me. And so it's only with God's power that we can experience this. The only way that we can have the marriage that we've always dreamed of is to have God in the center of it. And then look at the last one. I commit to work at being a, an active listener. And I would just say this. If you're sitting here today, say, God, I want to hear from you first. God, I want to hear from you. God says, hey, be still and know that I am God. 
So today, you say, God, I want to hear from you. And so maybe God's already spoke to you. He said, hey, listen, you've never given me your heart. You've never allowed me to be first in your life. I've always just been a, a part of your life, but you've never surrendered to me completely. Then hear from Him and respond to Him. Maybe you're here today and, man, you're going, something's got to give. Because I don't think we can make it another week. I don't think we can make it another day. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. and Just an opportunity to be real honest with yourself and with God. I think everybody in this room would admit we need to change. We need to change. Sometimes we feel powerless to change. And let me, let me just say this. If you don't have the power of God living in you, you don't have power. You don't have what it takes. I want to give you an opportunity to ask Christ to come and live within you. I want to give you an opportunity to ask Jesus to live within you. It's as simple as this. Just say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. Jesus, I believe that you came here to save me, to change me, to redeem me. So Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my heart with all the faith that I have. I confess to you, I have sinned. But I want to quit living that way and I want to live for you. I want to line it with your word. That's repentance. And so Jesus, with everything that's in me, I'm asking you to save me. To change me. Thank you for loving me. If that's your prayer, if you just prayed that prayer and you, by faith, you ask Christ to come into your heart, I just, I just want you to raise your hand just so I can be praying for you and celebrate with you. Anybody in the room, just raise your hand and say, Mike, that's me. I just prayed that prayer. I just asked Christ to come into my life. Anybody. I just asked Jesus to save me. I asked Him to change me. Anybody? It looks like most everybody in this room is a believer. So let me ask you this. If we've got this many believers, why are there so many marriages that are just falling apart? Have we become stiff-necked and maybe just kind of hard-hearted as believers? Maybe our prayer today ought to be, God, break my heart. God, change me. God, teach me to serve my spouse. Teach me to die to self. And God, let it start today with me. I take responsibility. Maybe that's you. You just say, you know what? Today I take responsibility. I haven't been who I need to be. I haven't communicated well. I've abandoned. I've not listened. I've, I've always blamed it on everybody else. But God, it's me. God, will you change me today? And I promise you, he'll start the process. Father, I thank you for loving us. God, I thank you for meeting with us. And so, God, I thank you for the opportunity just to be here today. Help us to be better communicators. Help us to serve our spouse, to love our spouse, to listen to our spouse. God, help us to lead our families and lead them well. Because, God, I thank you for the privilege of being able to just proclaim your truth today. God, thank you for the gospel that sets us free. And God, if there's anybody in here that gave their life to you today, God, we want to celebrate that with them. God, your word says that all of heaven rejoices. The angels are singing, celebrating that one has been redeemed. And so, God, we just give you all praise today. Thank you for loving us, and thank you for loving our marriages, and thank you for loving our families. God, change us to love like Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.